Hey, Filmcast listeners, this podcast exists because of the paid members at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. One thing that's great about the Patreon is we post a bunch of bonus podcasts over there, and occasionally we make those bonus podcasts available for free on the main podcast feed. This episode is one of those bonus episodes. It's a conversation Devinder Hardwar had with filmmaker Kelvin Redvers. If you want to support the podcast and get even more bonus episodes, you can do so at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. I'll let Devinder take it from here. Hey everyone, it's Devinder here, and I've got something a little special for this After Dark. It'll just be me chatting with Kelvin Redvers, who's an indigenous Canadian uh, producer and film director who reached out to us uh, both as a fan of the film cast, but also somebody who has a lot of thoughts about Killers of the Flower Moon and the way indigenous peoples are represented in media. Listeners of Conan O'Brien's podcast may also remember him as the guy who thought it would be intolerable to bring Conan camping, and uh, you know what? I'd probably agree there. Kelvin has been featured at film festivals. He's won awards at a young age. He co-created the Canadian series High Arctic Callers, which is about getting supplies to remote communities in northern Canada. And he also has a movie coming up called Cold Road, which is sort of like, um, you know, Steven Spielberg's Duel, but set on an icy road in a northern Canadian region. We had a great chat about representation in media, the sort of work he's doing, and his thoughts on Killers of the Flower Moon, of course. And uh, Kelvin also has some choice words for Martin Scorsese, uh, certainly better than some of the other interviewers, I think. Um, But overall, it's a really, really fascinating chat, and I think Filmcast listeners would appreciate it. So here's Kelvin. Kelvin Redvers, thank you so much for joining us on the Filmcast. Thanks for having me. It is great to talk with you. And I want to tell our listeners, um, you know, you're, you're a notable person in the industry you're making movies you're responsible for some pretty interesting tv projects as well but i heard of you because my colleague steve dented and gadget and steve is a man i love because let me tell you folks steve lives in the countryside of france uh he he jets around he hangs out in paris too i believe he has an apartment there while also doing like tech stuff like i am so steve is having the life and you're related to him right Mm -hmm. yeah cousin steve (laughs) cousin steve well that's great so, Kelvin, I just wanted to know, um, you know, can you tell us a bit about your work and uh, what you're doing these days, especially after Killers of the Flower Moon? I feel like I'm more interested in discussing indigenous representation in media as well. So can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, I think after Killers of the Flower Moon, I think the whole world is kind of interested a little bit more. Which is good. In indigenous. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and so in terms of where I come from, of my little slice of the world, um, you know, I'm from the far north of Canada. And so I grew up way up north and I feel like, like the far, far north, like far way, way north. up there. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, like this is the Alaska of Canada. Uh-huh. <laughs> we get made fun of in Canada for being north. So that's, that's something. <laughs> um, but uh, what's interesting, I think about being up north and being indigenous is like the connection to living off of the land is like so much closer. So like mm-hmm. my, my grandma, like literally my grandma was born, not in a town. Like she was born on the land living semi-nomadically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was in the twenties and like, you know, a hundred years later, uh, here's me like making movies, <laughs> being on preeminent podcasts and all kinds of cool stuff. <laughs> that is, that's great. That's great. Can you tell us a bit about the work you're doing? Because um, I'm looking you have a really interesting Wikipedia entry. You've won award at a very young age, uh, making media about your culture or about indigenous uh, indigenous experiences as well. Can you tell us a bit about your work? Yeah. So I grew up in a town called Hay River and it's like a little town of 3,500 people and it's really small and remote. But when I was a teenager, I started making movies and, and basically I picked up a video camera and it was like the world made sense to me. 
I would just run around. And at first it was just making like silly, goofy high school movies. I think this is probably how all filmmakers start. But when I was 16, I ended up making a 30 minute long movie um, that I submitted to like high school festivals around nice, the world. Nice. Yeah. And it won an award at the Hamptons International Film Festival in Long Island, New York. And so there I was like a kid from the sticks who got to like float in to, log to like the Hamptons. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, there's Alec Baldwin. And it's like, okay, cool. Like I'm going mm -hmm. to keep doing this. Um, and that was when I was 16. I went to university for film production. Um, I have made a whole mix of different content, whether it be indigenous or non-indigenous. I did a short film um, that actually stars one of the actors who's in Killers of the Flower Moon now. Nice. Um, yeah. And so I had a film that played the Toronto International Film Festival. I worked as a journalist for about three years. I co-created a television show um, for CBC here in Canada that's currently on Weather Channel. Um, and I started a nonprofit that supports Indigenous youth. And um, as of yesterday, mm -hmm. yesterday, I have finished my very first debut feature film. Oh, nice. We got you at the right time, right? Your yeah. brain is fried, fully fried now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you caught me on a good day of just being like, wow. Okay. And it's, it's, that has been the goal since I've been a mm -hmm. teenager. The goal has been to make a feature film and it took 20 years. It genuinely took 20 years to get to this point, um, to finish a feature and boy, oh boy, does it feel <laughs> so fucking bad. Well, con congrats. Um, that's always, you know, at the end of every episode these days, we're saying it is, um, you know, it's it's amazing that anybody can make a movie, and we try to respect that. Can you tell us about this feature, and congrats on finishing it, too? Yeah, I'll say I've been listening to the podcast for a while. There's a few in the low moments of as we were finishing <laughs> up, and I was exhausted. Hearing that brought a tear to my eye once or twice, because it hit home so deeply. Of like, mm -hmm. It is so hard. Like, it feels it's like hard. a miracle that this movie exists. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, Cold Road. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> Obviously, it's not. It's only finished now, so it's going to take a little bit of time to get out to the world. But um, I'll give the sort of broad strokes of it. Is you know, I used to think of where I am, where I'm from, and who I am felt like mm -hmm. a downside when I was a teenager of being like, oh, I'm a teenager. Like, what, who wants to be that? And yeah. so I didn't like where I was from. Over time, you start to realize that those are actually your strengths. And so mm -hmm. once I tuned into that, I started making movies that were more about where I'm from and who I am. Where I grew up is really remote. So like the town that I live in is, you know, if you want to drive to the next town, it's like a three hour drive to get to the next town. And sometimes if it's wintertime and it's minus 25, you can, you can not pass anybody on the highway for like three hours. Wow. If you're not prepared, okay. that's like. Yeah, that's super dangerous. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I have flipped a truck on one of those highways. Yeah, it's like, yeah, if anything happens, you better hope and pray, I guess. 25 minutes before someone came by after I flipped wow. a truck on one of these highways. So anyways, uh, that felt like, I was like, oh my God, this is a really great arena for drama, which I think is what movies need. Um, and mm -hmm. so as I was figuring out what's a script that I would want to write, what's a story I would want to tell, um, I was like, hey, I have this really fascinating world that I come from. What is the story you could put into this world? Mm -hmm. um, and so do you know the movie Duel by Spielberg? Of course. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the broad strokes of that is where you have this man who is, you know, being pursued by someone in a semi-truck um, and he's trying to survive. And what if you took the broad strokes of that story of, mm -hmm. of like a killer in a truck against someone, but what if you had that in the Canadian far North with winter time and an indigenous woman who's at the mm -hmm. center of it um, with her dog. And these so, roads where there's nobody apparently. 
we're at this roads where there's nobody. So Cold Road is the name of the movie, and it is a genuine old-fashioned thriller. We just did our first uh, test screening like two weeks ago, and we got like 4.2 out of 5 from from like a mix of audience members. Nice. In terms of their responses. Nice. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And also like just in terms of some of the like, you know, it's an indigenous movie, obviously. But like when the climax happens, like when when the antagonist and protagonist have their final showdown and that finished, like the audience literally clapped, like not at the end of the movie, but like at the moment when you want them to clap, they just broke into applause. And I was like, fuck, yeah, that's great. <laughs> that is that is why you got into this business, you know, for for eliciting that emotion. Yeah. That's great. How did how did you feel during that first test screening? terrified at first but growingly mm -hmm. like you can feel the energy of the room right as people are sitting down and they're kind of like oh what is this as people are sort of learning what the movie is um but like some of the responses that we got after you know i my you know my goal is to be an entertainer right like mm -hmm. i want to make mm -hmm. i don't want to make movies that are indigenous where i feel like you have to like shame people to be like you better watch my movie because of mm -hmm. representation like no 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 mm -hmm. like i want to make the best thing that can razzle that go, Oh my God, that sounds interesting. And that's where, you know, this idea of like, let's take a story that is familiar and put it in the fucking Canadian North of the truck. And <laughs> we did stunts. We, we smashed cars and trucks together. Um, and the type of responses, the, the best comments aren't the ones where just someone says that was great because you know, who, who really knows what that means when someone says that, but the types of comments that we got for this movie that mean the most to me was you'd have a husband and a wife come up. And the husband would say, my wife almost broke my hand during this movie. <laughs> That's what you want during a thriller. That sure. is what you want during a thriller. Yeah. Congrats. So, and that, that, Congrats. Thank you. It's so exciting. <laughs> Sounds like a great, yeah, great reaction. Exactly what I think any director would want. Um, you know, Kelvin, I was thinking, uh, speaking of like representation and what mm -hmm. we want these movies to be at this point, as we were all talking about Killers of the Flower Moon, and honestly, this is something I've been thinking about. Um since like reservation dogs came out and people were also talking about mm -hmm. indigenous me media there. I was thinking about like just how in my lifetime we've gone some, from some really, really crappy visions of native Americans. Um, I remember Wayne's world two had a big thing, like just the mystical Indian who had, who had like a string that he was wearing. He was wearing like um, a thong basically. Like that was his thing. Mystical guy with no dialogue showed his butt. Um, what do you think are some of the worst examples you've seen of native representation in media these days, or I guess in the past, because you've also, we're the same, we're similar ages. So you've probably seen the same like, like timeline. Yeah. You know, I mean like the original Peter Pan, I think like the, the, the cartoony one. Oh, was of like, course. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Yeah. Super rough. I mean, um, any of the old animated things are just like, uh, anything, yeah. uh, you know, and it's it's it sucks when there's like things where you like the people and like mm -hmm. you want them like you know I think one of the most talented people in Hollywood is Bill Hader, uh -huh. um, but in Sausage Party there was a less than ideal sort of indigenized yes. character. I was like, oh yes. no, no, not Bill Hader. At least at least it was just no. Sausage Party, but still, <laughs> still, it's like I, I don't think people realize like how those things can just like especially if you're from these cultures can just be sort of like a bummer. It's like oh I was really ready to enjoy this thing and then it's like. Oh, you had to do that, huh? That's that's weird. Yep. Yeah, and I guess it's it's almost like it's it's the nuance now that you know things are at a place where it's not obvious that it's like bad, like the way that I, I don't know, like you can look at some of those stuff, but but almost in a way, the mm -hmm. way that things are today, 
the subtleties can be more problematic if they're not obvious. Like yeah. you can see movies where it's like, oh yeah, this is this is just a terrible representation and it's easier to dismiss versus some of the more subtle ways that we get presented that have implications that just kind of resonate in society. Like, you know, sometimes those subtleties can be more damaging in terms of the way it affects people and the way that we're perceived. And, and mm -hmm. there's there's just so much work to be done, but also like, I think the answers are pretty easy to see as well like the answers to all this are, are going to be crystal clear um and so i don't know i think i think the future is indigenous is is my definitive statement i'll make <laughs> and i'm excited think, to be a part of that that's a great way that's a great way to put it i feel like awareness is, is kind of where we're headed like people are at least more aware like you know some of these stories maybe should be told by people from those communities that's not to say other people can't tell those stories but there is a value in having it told through yeah. through the voice of the community, right? And actually, can you tell us about your community as well? And just like, I guess your perspective from it too, um, it's the Deninukwe, right? Deninukwe. Deninukwe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's my First Nation. Um, so I'm from the Deninukwe First Nation. I am Dene. Um, I grew up in a town called Hay River. And I guess, you know, it's like um, being from such a remote place, you know, it just doesn't show up on screen very often. Mm -hmm. um, and so... You know, one of my one of my claims to fame was that I was on the Conan O'Brien podcast uh, last year. Yes, that was also <laughs> I remember hearing that episode too when Steve mentioned my colleague Steve when he mentioned yeah. that. Oh yeah, my cousin was on Conan. I was like, yes, I do remember this guy, and that was a really fun episode. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, it was a fun episode. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was growing up, it's like you watch media, like we have a TV, and like you know, it's like a, it's like a town, there's stores. Like mm -hmm. it's, I didn't grow up in the wilderness, but. You know, it, it's just it, you get so accustomed to watching content and like I'm a big comedy guy. Like I love watching, you know, when I, I was growing up and my dad would always watch Jay Leno and then mm -hmm. I would watch Conan after. And you just there's this there's a subtlety of never, ever seeing you on camera, like on the screens of like, tell oh, me like, about it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We a lot of us know what that feels like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> which is why I bring up the the short circuit thing, too. It's just like. Yeah, I, I slowly realized, I think I was a teenager when I realized a lot of the like so-called Indian characters I was seeing on screen were portrayed by white dudes or vo voiced by white dudes like Apu. That's not to say I don't like the character. I think Apu is a cool character. But also I spent my entire childhood of people making quickie mark jokes at me too. Yeah. Like at the same time that I liked that character, it was weaponized against me because it didn't have like any true cultural understanding, I'd say. Yeah. And the thing I always want to avoid is like, I don't want people to pity me. Like, I, I don't yeah. want to be yeah, presented yeah, yeah. as like coming out and being like, look, everybody, like, come on, we're pretty cool. It's more. And this is the as I'm gaining, like, as I get further in the industry, like the pitch I'm making is like, hey, everybody, like you're fucking mm -hmm. missing out. Like, mm -hmm. like the 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 amount of stories that are here and just the 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 vividness of it, of of what indigenous storytelling can be is so exciting and like i'm like shake you know feel like i'm like shouting to nothing i'm like no no no, guys like our stories are going to be fucking awesome and mm -hmm. it's not like you better listen to us um and so i guess maybe all of this like you know can can we talk about killers of the flower moon i mean we should talk about <laughs> killers of the flower moon um i mean yeah you you heard our review kelvin mm -hmm. um i i adore the movie but i'm also like fully aware of its flaws have to say though, like that that I still think about that. I think about Lily Gladstone's performance. I think yeah. about the the crushing injustice of what she faced in that film and what the what the Osage community felt and what most Native communities felt uh, throughout the Americas too. That's not including the ones that were just wiped out. 
thanks mm-hmm. to like Spanish co- colonials. So, you know, it's been, uh, I kind of felt like the full weight of history watching that movie. But mm-hmm. what did you think about it, Kelvin? Yeah. And so, you know, I, uh, as a caveat, of course, I am one indigenous person. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I come from one set of experiences. I'm from Northern Canada, but I do think as a filmmaker, you know, I hope that some of what I think about it can be interesting, but I also want to do a little bit of opening the door to a few other thoughts that I have mm-hmm. come across in the indigenous community. Cause I hope that, you know, all of your listeners are curious in terms of like, what, what is a lot of the community thinking and taking from this movie? Um, I am not Osage. And so, you mm-hmm. know, I think that the, one of the things that media has done is that there has been really interesting insights into what some of the people from the Osage community um, think. And also just there's a there's a vast discrepancy of what people in the our communities feel about this movie. And I think all of those things that people respond to, whether good or bad, speak to really interesting conversation points that, that mm-hmm. are valuable for all of us to talk about. And so I think that's one of the, like things I hope to be able to bring to this is like, Hey, here's what I think, but here's a door into some other perspectives. Um, and so from just what I've seen from the Osage, there are both the people who are just so proud and proud and happy that their story, the thing that they know happened to them is now Mm -hmm. known by many, many Americans and many people around the world. And I, I think that that is very important if they are proud of that, but it also seems that there's a lot of Osage that, also feel mixed about like, man, oh man, wouldn't it have been great if this whole movie was about Molly? And yes, mm-hmm, it would have been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would have been. It would have. That was also what <laughs> I was kind of so thinking good. the whole time, mainly because Lily Gladstone is so good. So good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give her an Oscar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but even even just within my, like the people I've come across of, in terms of the masterpiece side, um, if folks are interested from an indigenous perspective that feels this is a masterpiece, I really recommend a YouTuber called Native Media Theory. Hmm. And he's a Navajo fellow that does media analysis. Um, and he did a really long um, introspection on responses to that movie that I think is super valuable. Nice. And okay. he, yeah, absolutely. It, it It's very much like this was a hard movie to watch, but, you know, the filmmaking is is amazing. And it's it's so great to see mm-hmm. these stories on screen. And so there are a lot of within across um, all of North America who feel that way. Now, there's a large contingent of indigenous folks um, who feel, um, you know, if I was to sum up um, some of the feelings around this movie, it would be uh, people feeling, fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm allowed to swear, right? I can't remember. You can, you can totally swear. And also, okay. I think I think I know where you're headed because there's a thing that happens <laughs> once like you get past the initial hump of like, hey, representation, great. It's yeah. more like, um, then you start to see the complaints of like, well, it didn't get this right. It didn't get yeah. that right. It didn't get these things right. Therefore, fuck this entire project, right? So <laughs> what what are you what are you hearing, Kelvin? Well, I, I think it did get a lot of things right. Like, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I, I think the sequences that engaged with the Osage perspective were some of the best filmmaking that I have seen all year. Like that opening four minutes is like I had watched I watched Departed mm-hmm. and Wolf of Wall Street the day before and just get to like the killer uh, the Scorsese like zhuzh. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> and then I watched the first four minutes of the movie and I was like, this might be the best movie I've ever seen. And the first like, four minutes of the movie, it's it's you don't even know what's happening. I feel like most audiences, I like how inscrutable it is. And then you start to think about it. It's like, well, they're, you know, the opening of the movie is, um, um, can you describe it? They're burying 
Some yeah, well, there, there, there's the a cultural ceremony, yeah. basically. It, it shows you a bit of culture and tradition of, mm -hmm. of the Osage. But also, I think part of that is there's like a montage of these bougie natives from the yes. 20s, like, like yes. the flapper thing, and they're just like living it up. And I was like, I want that movie. That movie looks awesome. That's cool. We've never <laughs> seen that before. That is right? one of those things that we had never seen before. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, uh, but but then just it, the it slowly like pans up mm -hmm. to Leo's face, and I was like, it's "Oh, all, okay. you gotta you gotta get back to Leo." This... I do think like the history of this project is fascinating, right? Because mm -hmm. you know the book apparently was more of a direct. This is how the FBI was founded, right? And was more um, about the the FBI agents um, trying to investigate the murders and kind of coming in as the heroes. And the story was Leo would have you know would have played uh, that role. The what's his face Friday Night Lights guys. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that that felt more traditional. That felt like what it would be as a Scorsese movie. And the pushback to be like, no, let's at least focus more on the Osage and focus more on this relationship between Molly and her husband, um, Leo's character. Like, then it's interesting. I do, uh, You know, it's not fully Molly's story, but mm -hmm. it's also a story about, I think, this perspective that Scorsese totally understands, which is you know uh people uh the way power and money corrupts people and the inherent greed in some societies and especially within the way some societies love to oppress other societies like those have been in his movies this just feels like one of his most mature movie especially that opening where it's just like why are they having this burial ceremony you know what is happening here mm -hmm. and then by the end of the movie i think it's clear it's like they are even at that point they were um basically saying goodbye to their way of life because they were moved to a different land right and they couldn't they couldn't live the way that they could before so they had to adopt the culture of white people and white americans to to survive and that itself is a cultural death and i don't know that the weight of that opening also fell on me uh throughout the whole ending sequence um but yeah did you did you feel any of that in the opening as well yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I, I, you know, again, just when it was exciting to see high production value for like, you yeah. know, for people like me. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's something, you know, as we'll get into about just like filmmaking in general, a lot of times indigenous movies get really low budgets, but I, I think that like, you know, I can very much appreciate that, you know, this is a movie that is going to allow Americans or people around the world to sort of stew in what happened, right? Where it's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. you're going to sit there and you're going to feel how devastating this is it was. not fair. And this really stinks. And what can, what can be done about it? Nothing. I yeah, guess. Yeah, absolutely. But also, and I think it's important just to say this, but this mm -hmm. hasn't been made for indigenous audiences. Yep. Yeah. If that makes sense. And, you know, I was talking to a DP friend of mine having this conversation. And it's like, he was like, yeah, this is a movie, you know, by a white guy about white people, about white sin. Mm -hmm. And it also including indigenous actors, you know, means that I, there's an interest from the indigenous audience. And I, in my like yeah. community, a, more people have been upset with this movie than they have been like excited. Interesting. For yeah. And so I think on the negative side, the like, you know, if, if folks are looking for other perspectives, um, did you see the tweets that Devery Jacobs had done? Of like yeah. Her response yeah. to that. So mm -hmm. those really made a splash when she did a tweet thread of, of, of just like, you know, some of the, you know, like this movie is hellfire and it, it's so painful to sit and watch, you know, my people get murdered and this isn't the type of representation that we need. And so in those parallels of like, this is a masterpiece, which is forcing people to stew in the negativity of this. Mm -hmm. On the other side, indigenous folks saying, we 
also need better representation. I think both of those can be true. Yep. And the way that I feel is kind of in the middle of that. And I guess like in terms of my own physical response to watching the movie, like, you know, you were talking about intermissions, but like I, I took a intermission of a week in between. Yeah. yeah. I started the movie and then I was like, oh, I felt like I wanted to vomit. Like it just mm -hmm. was. I, and maybe it's a spiritualness of just the way that I engage with these stories, but like, you know, it felt like these were my grandmas or grandparents I was watching. And like, imagine if you mm -hmm. had to watch a movie of your grandma getting shot in the head. And like, I've, you know, I've certainly movies set in like British, uh, you know, Indian occupation. There are certainly like things I feel watching that. Yeah. It's totally, totally understandable. Also, because the way Scorsese is just so. At this point, he is just a master of brutality and violence yeah, is this thing visceral. too. And the, the sort of like the visceral nature of it, the sort of like matter of fact nature of it too, which I think is really, it starts early on with Molly's uh, narration where she starts talking about, um, you know, just some people who were killed and they were never chalked up as murders or anything. But the shot of the guy, you know, a woman, um, a native woman bringing her child out, a baby out to a stroller. She gets shot in the back of the head. And the it's white guy horrifying. just picks up the baby and walks away, which is also like, yeah, uh, white communities did steal a lot of native children. And that like is another cultural ethnocide that we still have not fully reckoned with as well. Like that, I can't get that image out of my head. So if I was in the community, certainly I'd be like, I don't, I don't know why I'm watching this. And I totally understand that. If I was to sum up sort of how I feel about the movie in, in one sentence, it would be, I am tired of watching Indians die on screen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am tired of that. And, you know, if you think of stagecoach from like 1940, like what yeah. was stagecoach about? That's oh, a bunch of white people and then Indians die. <laughs> what actually happens in Killers of the Flower Moon? No, it's a bunch of white people and Indians die. Now, I mean, mm -hmm. obviously there's a far more nuance to it. And, and it, it's there's painting. a lot more happening. But at the end of the day, that's what happens. That yeah. is also what you mm -hmm. see on screen. And, and I think that if it is an incomplete story, mm -hmm. Killers of the Flower Moon is incomplete. And I think all of you on your podcast talked about this. And I think even Scorsese would acknowledge that is incomplete. That's the, the epilogue is him saying, I, I, I feel like I told the story the best I could. That I feel like the epilogue itself is sort of an apology for his mm -hmm. limitations as an artist. Yeah. Um, is any story complete? I guess is, is the question. Cause even no, if it's, for, yeah. But I do think that given the rarity of indigenous representation yeah. on screen yeah there is a greater danger to this also being the problem of it being the only thing that people see in a year mm -hmm. of oh what's the indigenous movie i watched oh they died in in the whole thing mm -hmm. and without mm -hmm. other things around it i think that's where the bigger problem of what this movie is like in a context of of a cinematic world where you are getting his movie and my movie mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you're used to both. I think that there is no issue with Scorsese telling the story that he did. And this is where we're stepping away from the art of what it yeah. is that Scorsese did and into just the public, like, you know, like it should be important in terms of like who does get to tell stories. And like what mm -hmm. I want to happen is because this movie opens up a dialogue, hopefully, which is this, you know, this is, this is a response to it is that um, people go and watch the sequels <laughs> of Killers of the Flower Moon. And, and, and like, I don't mean like, you know, Killers of the Flower Moon 2. The stuff that springs like, up because of it. Yeah. Yeah. The sequels, like the, yeah. the movies that we're making. And, and if it doesn't do that, then I do believe that Killers of the Flower Moon ends up having more of a negative consequence. But if it does lead people to watch mm -hmm. my movie or the movies of other indigenous directors to counterbalance 
his perspective, then I think it can become an, a success. And that's the the story that is being written now that I mm -hmm. want to be a part of, of like telling people like, okay, you watch that. Here's what you need to see next. Here's the good stuff coming up. This is like, you gotta, <laughs> like the, the iron is hot and you kind of have to like strike right, right yeah. now. So like, hey, yes, uh, look at these other things. Pay attention to these people. Pay attention to these, to these actors. Uh, we've talked a bit about reservation dogs on the show, but I feel like now is a good time to remind people that is a really, really funny, intimate portrayal of modern reservation life in america and it's, it's the not, best it's great it's not a perfect show but i also think it's very very good and it has voices we never see on mm. screen in, in general so this is a good time to remind everybody hey if you're listening to this and you have not watched reservation dogs yet it is beautiful it is sad um but it's really really funny as well and exactly the sort of thing like i think that needs to counterbalance stuff like this like stuff like killers of the flower moon but also what's what's truly sad to me is the sort of reality that the history of native peoples in America, unfortunately, the story, the story of colonialism is a story built on death. It's mm. built on death and subjugation, right? So to tell that story, unfortunately, like some of that will also have to be shown as well. And I don't know, it's, I, I saw John Leguizamo's, um, you know, live show, which was about um, things he learned as he started researching history and, mm started researching history of Latin America, basically, um, with his with his kids, and basically realizing that um, so many people were killed, thanks mm -hmm. to Spanish colonialism, thanks to, you know, British colonialism. And who he is, is somebody who's made up of, you know, bloodlines uh, arching back to Native people, but also to Spanish uh, colonials as well. Like, it's, it is a thing we have to reckon with. And I think the sheer numbers of... Uh, of bodies behind it is something like it's just really hard to comprehend and when you see it in front of your face like people just getting shot and murdered nonchalantly where their lives don't really matter it's hard to stomach it is mm -hmm. one of those things yeah yeah and i guess i guess the good news out of all of it is is it seems that in the responses to killers of the flower moon of of a lot of what and i think even you folks agreed is some mm -hmm. of the best moments of that movie were the the moments that were so definitively osage povs yep like in and spoiler alert in but like that moment when the mom passes away like that hit everybody i think like a ton mm -hmm. of bricks and and i guess the the thing i'm excited for of just the hopefulness of it all is if 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 now that we've seen that you've seen that moment of 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 this woman passing into the spirit world and you were to mm -hmm. take the, all those moments from the movie that were from the osage perspective you can take all of those you know, bundle them into a 10 to $15 million movie with an indigenous director. And that movie can get made now. And that movie should get made now. And it can be the counterbalance. And again, not in a way where it's like, you better watch native movies. But like, mm -hmm. you know, I was talking to my business partner a couple of days ago and I was, I was like asking him like, what's the pitch in terms of like why indigenous <laughs> stories should be heard in a non like, you know, you better listen to us kind of way. And he just took two seconds and he's like, oh, well, I mean, the reservoir is so deep in terms of just like the storytelling potential. And that's, that's, that's how I feel. And I guess mm -hmm. the frustration I feel of Killers of the Flower Moon is my awareness of the people that I've grown up with and all of my peers and all of my colleagues of like, God, like all of those best parts of Killers of the Flower Moon are waiting to be told as phenomenal mm -hmm. stories. But the thing that's holding it back is sort of just the kind of like, you know, it's just the, it's the, uh, the, 
within the institution of, of, you know, executive produced by Martin Scorsese or like having Ali yeah. or a Mark Ruffalo as the co-star. And that's the only thing that's keeping those things. But if you mm-hmm. like those moments in Killers of the Flower Moon, I want to tell everybody that is the tip of the iceberg in terms of just the cinematic potential of our mm-hmm. stories. That's cool. Very mm-hmm. well said. I do wonder... I feel like so much of the problem, though, is like the business of Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. In the business mm-hmm. of movie making, where mm-hmm. if you're going to get greenlit to make a movie, if they think it can get some sort of return, right? I don't know how many studios are like Annapurna, um, you know, or Neon, right? Where they are, they're basically producing low budget things that may not have huge appeal, but are like really interesting, well-told, well-made films. Um, like, is there a business, is there a business mindset change that needs to happen for for to make these movies as well yeah and i I think it comes back to even i think you folks have been talking about Mm -hmm. just kind of the frustrations of hollywood right now is is like i think what you want what makes a good story isn't telling the exact same story over and over again i think what makes a good story is telling the same type of story but with a new spin with a new perspective Mm -hmm. and i think of some of my favorite movies of the past five years have done that. Um, recently, it was Bottoms of like, hey, let's take the teen sex comedy, yeah, but, yeah. but queer. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. like led by those people. It was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, or something like, you know, the get out of it all or like, you know, Crazy Rich Asians or everything everywhere all at once. Like it feels every time one of those come out, people are surprised for some reason. Like, whoa, what? This, people went to a movie about Asian people? What a weird, it's like, no, no, mm-hmm. no. Like, People like good stories, you know? And I think that in this question mark of like, what is the direction of Hollywood? um, You know, it's taking the same types of stories, like what Reservation Dogs, it's a coming of age story, Mm -hmm. but you add a spin on it of something that people haven't seen because people are craving like new content or like something that feels different, but is like, you know, to to shamelessly self-promote for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's 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 my goal as a as a director is I want to take familiar story types, but add the spin of like, oh, this is told in a way where I haven't seen this before. And Mm -hmm. so my movie Cold Road is definitively a thriller and it is a pulpy thriller in the vein of like 70s and 80s movies where, you know, we had a one point six million dollar budget, which, you know, it's I know this movie isn't going to make one hundred million dollars at the box office, but this is a movie that you know, a house mom in Nebraska can just sit down and go, oh, this looks like a good thriller. And because it's from Northern Canada and because Mm -hmm. it just presents an indigenous female perspective, it adds just enough of that, you know, similar but different vibe that I think stories need and allowing that to come from the communities. And I think that there's like a lot of frustration with sort of tokenism in Hollywood right now, where it's just Mm -hmm. like putting in the diverse character, but not actually kind of thinking it through and, you know, that's, I guess, the, the frustration when I was watching Killers of the Flower Boon and everybody afterwards was like, we want more of the indigenous perspective. And I was like, hey, uh, me. Yeah, yes, I, yes, I have yes, a please. movie now and it's finished. <laughs> and like it is entirely from moment one, an indigenous woman who is being mm-hmm. the hero in a familiar story genre of a thriller as she faces off against a fucking truck. And it's so good. And she's got a dog. Uh, mm-hmm. This movie is like just delicious. <laughs> I think the magic of some of these other movies too, especially something like Everything Everywhere, is that 
that is an insane movie. Like that is a movie yeah. the the if you the the elevator pitch of that movie does not make sense, but sometimes <laughs> you do have to just trust the audience mm-hmm. to take a leap, like take a, a narrative leap, take an imaginative leap to have somebody tell you a story and I feel like there just has to be more Hollywood needs to be open more to taking more of those risks and if the movies aren't 300 million dollar, you know, Marvel movies or Killers of the Flower Moon which cost the same amount, um, if the movies don't cost that much, it is a lot lower risk and you can potentially get some more capable voices. Um, I do wonder too, like just kind of related to what you were talking about, Kelvin, I've been thinking about the Underground Railroad and just how Barry Jenkins made this thing, which is, I think, a goddamn masterpiece. It does contain some of the similar imagery we've seen before of slaves being tortured and slaves mm-hmm. being, um, you know, black slaves being brutalized. But it is also something more. Mm-hmm. It's really, I just found it, I, I found it really fascinating. Like, this, this thing exists. It's on Amazon Prime right now. It is one of the best pieces of art I've seen in the last decade. And nobody's talking about it. Like, there was mm-hmm. no, that's Amazon not really promoting mm-hmm. it. But even me talking to people to get people to watch it, um, it's almost like there's an assumption like, oh, yeah, this is another slave story. But they're not, not really fully engaging with what could make this different. And it is beautiful and fantastical. And it's about hope as much as it is about brutalization. Mm. What do you, you know, as an artist, as a filmmaker, how do you think about that in terms of like trying to get audiences to, to engage with new stories? Because yeah, a lot of the complaints about Killers of the Flower Moon is the same thing. It's like, you don't want to see just native death, but also Sometimes that is part of the story. How do you how do you kind of work with that while also trying to bring in new audiences and bring in audiences who may feel like they've seen this before elsewhere too? Yeah, I think you I think you need a bit of both, and I think mm-hmm. it can speak to the personalities of the, of the different creatives who are doing the things. Like I am much more of a the hero's journey kind of filmmaker. Like, mm-hmm. like that's that's like my focus is on the like the rah rah rah. Um, you know, let's smash a car and a truck together. And like, you know, someone, uh, you know, my movie is essentially a, the hero's journey, but even within the indigenous community, there is both of those types of movies. And I think that they complement each other in terms of like, you know, having, um, you know, just in terms of indigenous films that I would love to point people towards is something like boy, which is Taika Waititi's second film, which mm-hmm. isn't as well known as, you know, Thor Ragnarok or whatever. But yeah. Like, what yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That movie is so, uh, energetic like it, it's just it's like a popcorn movie you can sit back and watch it and just go oh my god like i'm just chewing this up this is so good um or something like smoke signals is more kind of in that that vein of just like yeah it's like the popcorn thing similar to how you can have killers of the flower moon versus prey in, in mm-hmm. terms of using two ally sort of movies you have mm-hmm. killers of the flower moon which people you know it feels it can it's going to feel like homework to some people <laughs> just like yeah. to get through it it's three and a half Vers- hours long like you yeah. don't want to go to the bathroom yeah yeah versus prey which mm-hmm. is is like you know it's a predator t- movie oh it's so fucking good it's and so like, good um you know that is hey dan trackberg huge <laughs> fan um that is my for me that's the 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 best ally indigenous mm-hmm. film that's been made for for me because it 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 fits my style of filmmaking. And I think that that's the movie I want to make. I want to be Dan Trachtenberg now. Um, I don't want to make the movies that are the, you know, the more kind of like, hey, we're going to go through the history. But there are really great filmmakers that are Mm -hmm. telling those stories that are willing to engage with that. And so like, you know, for example, I had my little list of something like um, Night Raiders, which is from Dennis Goulet. And it's a, uh, have you heard of that movie? I've heard of Night Raiders, yeah. 
Yeah, and so it's like it's a futuristic kind of dystopian mm-hmm. thriller, and you know, it 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 it's one of those movies where you, it sort of needs critical engagement, um, or something like um, Bones of Crows from Marie Clements, or even Blood Quantum from Jeff. Blood Barnaby. Quantum is what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, it's like it, that's a zombie movie, yeah. but still, you know, it kind of it, it asks for critical engagement, and I think that as I direct people to different types of movies, that hey, as you start going to engage with indigenous content, first up, Cold Road, my movie. Definitely watch that one. <laughs> but like, you know, to, to be prepared for the different types of movies that you can watch that have different perspectives of like, hey, if you're more in a popcorn mood, you know, you can watch Boy or Smoke Signals um, or something like The Grizzlies, which wasn't an indigenous director, but was um, mm-hmm. very much from the community of it's like a underdog sports story about the cross of Inuit people um, versus something like, you know, a, a, a you know, a, um, Blood Quantum, Night Raiders, or Bones of Crows, which, mm-hmm. you know, are sort of critically engaged. Hey, we're going to go through some of the things that have happened. And I think you need both of them. And right now, we don't have any of them in terms of like, you know, yeah. kind of yeah. mainstream hitting that, you know, kind of breaking through. But that's that's what I want to work towards on the kind of popcorn-y kind of, you know, uh, prey. God, I w- praise the movie I wish I made. And so, uh, I do genuinely, like, I want to be Dan Trachtenberg in like five years. I feel like he listens. So, you know, call me Dan, let's talk, let's talk. That's cool. That's cool. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, Kelvin. Um, is there, you do, do we have a timeline for your film yet when people can actually watch it? Um, so, um, we just like, it, we finished mm-hmm. it yesterday. Come on, let's, let's, let's hurry up. Come on. I, uh, I haven't popped the champagne yet because mm-hmm. I, I, I knew we had to do this today. So I didn't want to be too hungover, but I think in the next day or two. So in Canada, we have distribution. So this movie, Cold Road, is going to do, we're going to do a limited theatrical release in Canada, and it's going to be on the Canadian equivalent of HBO Max mm-hmm. um, called Crave. Right now, we Such now a better it's... name, by the way, than Max, but yeah, I always <laughs> like Crave, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Crave is awesome. I really, they're just good people. Mm-hmm. But um, we're, we're currently looking to, like I, you know, I, I, we, it's just been so busy finishing the movie. Now that the film is done, we're opening the doors to go into it. And I, you know, I, I really, I genuinely believe when I was watching Killers of the Flower Moon, I was like, you need the other side of the story to this. Like you mm-hmm. need to have more indigenous films. And I think this is a good example of, you know, you didn't, there wasn't enough, the indigenous woman perspective in that one, this one, oh man, you got so much of it. So I, I feel like a home like Hulu would be a great place for it. Um, just given, you know, mm-hmm. reservation dogs and, um uh they they're i think they're airing echo coming in in the, the new year and also that they they're gonna have um yeah echo's part of disney is does echo going straight there or is it gonna still be on disney plus i've lost track it, but, it starts yeah. on disney plus and then it goes to hulu echo's um, another one of those cool like very cool concept of a character i hope um yeah i hope they actually do something with you know because that was uh, that whole that whole original series um you know <laughs> thoughts i we have thoughts about disney's online stuff but hey to yeah eventually get to something like echo that's kind of cool um yeah well thank you so, so much so Kelvin. Hope, hopefully yeah. hulu or netflix um yeah. can i call out can i can i can i call out martin scorsese for a moment uh sure you can totally do does, that does but... does he listen to the podcast no, no. <laughs> he's on <laughs> you, tiktok you can, to, you can totally do your thing he's on tiktok because of his uh his niece right who's on yeah. it or his daughter mm-hmm so I feel like Scorsese just did another press conference like two days ago. And mm-hmm. like, I think he's aware that there's this kind of bubbling of, of mm-hmm. like just the indigenous conversations around how we should engage in this film. I think he hasn't yet done the thing that he needs to do most. Mm-hmm. The, the, the simplest thing that he can do that I'm very surprised in terms of in the promotion of this movie, I'm not going to 
pan his art. Like I know what it's mm -hmm. like to make a story. Like his art is his art. He had a vision, but I can pan promotion Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the thing that would be so easy for him to do in terms of being the answer to the things that, um, that the community is frustrated by is I, I don't know why he hasn't shout shouted out other indigenous filmmakers. Mm -hmm. I don't know why he's done so many, like, you know, these, this is the list of films that, you know, inspired Kills of the Flower Moon. Here's my letterbox movies. It would be the simplest thing in the world for him just to say now, Hey, uh, here are the names of indigenous filmmakers, Sterling mm -hmm. Harjo, Sidney Freeland, Erica Tremblay, Dennis Goulet, Kelvin Redverse. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, like, or to point people to indigenous movies to check out. And so if Scorsese is listening or if there's anybody in his like network, um, I am calling you out, Marty. I, you call, you need calling to out. call out. Yeah. He's spitting out. out his latte right now. Kelvin, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, but uh, I, I think one interesting thing about Scorsese is that he has been a good champion of world cinema. He has yeah, brought over a absolutely. lot of films. I believe um, Infernal Affairs, you know, came to America because of partially because of his influence, and it was a film influenced by him. So, yeah, it, there's definitely time for him to kind of do the same thing when it comes mm -hmm. to native media. So yeah. it makes total sense. Thank absolutely. you so much, Kelvin. Where can people find you online these days? Um, well, I I have. Uh, X, but I don't actually use it. So, but I think no, you have you a movie still... to promote, sir. So <laughs> soon, yeah, yeah. You gotta uh, like eight... line up somewhere. <laughs> eight six seven Kelvin is my handle, uh, both on X and on uh, Instagram. And so, as we start to get those answers in terms of where this movie is going to end up, and it feels like it's just you know finding the right streamer is, is what we're working on for Cold Road. Um, and keep an eye out for Cold Road because um, um, I, you know, you saw that scene right from the movie. It's pretty mm -hmm. fucking exciting. It's uh, it's cool. It's certainly certainly good season for a cold thriller. So I love being uh, in chilly times with cold movies. That's always fun. So thank you so much, Kelvin, and hope we can chat soon. Okay. Thanks for everything. I love everything that all y'all do.